Hi, this is Tim Jones. I'm the composer for Chuck, and you're listening to Chuck versus the Podcast. Hi, my name is Graham Jones, but you can call me Gray. This is my show. It's about Chuck. It's filled with interviews, the latest news, crazy co-hosts, and spoilers that'll make your day. Oh, wait, wait, I need to go back. I host these TV nights. They used to be pretty boring, but everything changed when I found NBC's new show, Chuck. Pretty soon, my TV night got pretty crowded. Guys I didn't even know were showing up the door. Big important guys. Really scary, nasty, get killed for hosting them guys. Next thing I know, these super episodes are downloaded into my brain. Which means every moment of my life, I'm thinking about Chuck. ChuckTV.net sent their top people to protect me. That's Mel and Liz. They're pretty zany. They co-host with me now as a cover. So now I must welcome you to Chuck vs. the Podcast. The first and only podcast for NBC's Chuck. This is Gray. This is Mel. And Liz. And you're listening to Chuck vs. the Podcast, Episode 2 for January 30th, 2008. Definitely want to welcome our co-hosts today, Mel and Liz. How are you guys doing? Not so bad. How's yourself, Gray? I hope you're over that head cold. Not quite over it, but uh, doing great. This is Mel. I'm doing pretty good here in Kansas. We've got a great episode for you today. I'm really excited because we have an interview today with Tim Jones, the music composer for Chuck. And as all of us who appreciate the show, we know that music is an incredibly important part of the show. So you're going to love the interview. We are blown away by the response that we've had so far. In less than seven days, we've had over 2,200 people come to the ChuckPodcast.com site and Incredibly, at Podcast Alley, out of 37,000 podcasts, at last check, we were listed as number 64. In the TV and film category, we were number 7 out of over 1,000 podcasts. I want to thank everybody for your votes and comments. That's amazing. People love Chuck, and, and we're grateful for the votes. Actually, if you could even vote now as you hear this podcast, we need about 7 more votes to make the top 50. And if we had seven more votes, that would actually get us into the top five TV and film podcasts. And of course, the reason we want that is so that more people know about Chuck. This is all for the purpose of building the ratings and uh, and helping our favorite show be on for a long time. Absolutely. Guys are doing a great job. Woohoo! Hey, everybody out there in TV land. I'm Zachary Levi, and we here collectively are the cast of Chuck. Welcome to our Chuck sandwich. Is there a good reason why we're all huddled so closely together, huh? Well, yes, there is. Television's Adam Baldwin. Thank you for asking. You see, most people don't have widescreen televisions, so we want to make sure that everyone gets a chance to see all six of us. I really feel like this is unnecessarily close. I'm good. Uh, yeah, this, this does seem very close. Well, look, everyone, I'm sorry, but this came straight from the network, okay? So, uh, please, you out there, sit back, relax, and, and please enjoy two all-new episodes of Chuck with a little apprentice in the middle. This is not awesome. No, it's totally awesome. It really this is. This is really awesome. See, Josh knows what I'm talking about. And what do you guys think about the sandwich on Thursday night? You know, a part of me just loved that we got two new episodes in one night. I was just, you know, in Chuck heaven. But another part of me was kind of sad that it was knowing that, you know, now it's over until the strike's over. So, yeah, it was. It was. But but it was fun. I, I could have I would rather have had instead of a sandwich, just the back, back to back episodes personally. Yeah, me too. I had to find something else to do for an hour. That's right. <laughs> I, of course, watched them back to back in Canada, but <clears throat> yes, whatever. Well, yeah. All right. Just hoard it over us. Hoard it over us, Gray. <laughs> yeah. But I did actually tape the NBC feed on Thursday night because I wanted to see all the cast segments. And I admit those those were worth the wait. They really were. They were <laughs> funny. And we actually have all of the segments together on uh, checktv.net where you can just go and watch. It's about three minutes long, all the segments in a row. And we'll feature them, a few of them on the show. I was most interested by the very last one. You know, a lot of people ask us, are you guys close as a cast? Well, that's because it looks like we have so much fun on the show. And we do have a lot of fun on the show. As my character would say, it's awesome. Yeah, but it's not like we're inseparable. We have our own interests and hobbies. Hey, does anybody want some food from craft service? You know, I thought I saw a tiny little, like, turkey sandwich. Hey, thanks for joining us. Look for us here on NBC for all new episodes of Chuck. Yes, coming soon, all new Chuck. Yeah, that was great to hear. All new Chuck coming soon. Now, what do you guys think that means? I think it's a show of support from NBC saying, yes, we we did give it a full season pickup. And we know that the writer's strike is interrupting the season. But don't worry, we're still committed to the show and we will be bringing it back. Very interestingly, Zach was interviewed recently by Bullseye.com. 
And he said something that we think ties in with this coming soon. Uh, Mel, can you tell us a bit more about that? Well, he was quoted as saying that they actually have two more scripts already written and ready to be shot as soon as the strike is over, which, of course, has the fans all excited. Uh, I just want to caution everyone and say this is the first time we've heard that there are any more scripts already written. So while it would be great and it would mean that as soon as the strike is over... They can immediately, you know, get geared up for production again, and they won't have that delay that a lot of the other shows will have. I do wonder if it's perhaps a, a miscommunication. So while it would be great, don't take it at 100% right now. We're trying to get confirmation. Now, some of you may be wondering, and actually I've seen it on the NBC boards, people asking, well, if they have two scripts ready, why don't they go and shoot them? You may not realize that the writer's strike actually means that they can't change a single word of dialogue in a script. So if one of the scripts isn't 100% ready to go shoot, um, they're not going to go ahead and shoot it. And also they have to deal with things like the the availability of the cast. Some of them have other movies that they're involved in. Um, say, for instance, Zachary Levi has actually produced a movie that's coming out this month. Mel, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. The movie is called Spiral, and it's going to have a limited release on February the 8th. And you can go to www.spiralthemovie.com to get information about exactly where it is going to be showing. But if you don't live in one of those limited theatrical release markets, just hang on for a few more days. The DVD is coming out on February 19th. The places that it's going to be released are New York, L.A., Portland, and Austin, Texas. I believe that's correct, yes. I wish Toronto was on the list. If you live in one of those areas, you know, check your local showtimes and check it out. Great. And can you tell us a little bit more about the movie? Sure. Um, it stars Joel David Moore, who is one of Zach's very best friends and also partner in the production company. He plays Mason. The official synopsis for the movie is that Mason is never truly noticed by anyone save his boss, Berkeley, who's played by Zach. Not quite a friend, but a sole source of companionship in an otherwise isolated existence. That is, until he meets a gregarious co-worker named Amber, played by Amber Tamblin, a girl struggling with her own loneliness and need to define herself. Amber's jovial demeanor and seemingly carefree attitude provides a sort of catharsis for Mason and allows his true gifts to come to light as she poses for his art. It is an unlikely and unusual courtship that helps Mason find peace for possibly the first time in his life. But as Mason's defense is lower and the man inside is revealed, there may be something behind the surface darker than anyone expected. For not everything that is hidden should be found, and not every love is meant to be. And you can't paint over your past. Sounds pretty deep. Ooh, sounds pretty scary. So this sounds like it's going to be more of a serious role for Zach, huh? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and actually it's a thriller. I should get a discount in thrillers because I only see about half of the movie. I have had my hands over my eyes for the other half. <laughs> same here, same yeah, here. Me too. Well, we know that Zach has the potential for something deeper than just comedy, although I've only seen him in comedic roles. But Chuck has offered the opportunity for, to, for us to see what Zach can do in a role like that. Yeah, I think so. He's he's mentioned in a few interviews that he really likes playing the role of Chuck because the character is very similar to Zach himself, but it also allows him to kind of explore some different things and show his, his acting range. Can't wait to see it. And you can definitely support them by going to see it and buying the DVD or at least renting it. That's right. Now, moving right along, some people have been asking how we do the podcast. Uh, a common question has been the fact that Mel is in Kansas and Liz is in Chicago and I'm up in Toronto. How did we get together and just physically how we can do it? For myself, I just had the idea of doing the podcast for Chuck over the holidays. I was looking around for a podcast to listen to and I couldn't find one. So I, I thought, well, let me start one. So I, I emailed Mel and Liz. Begging us. <laughs> uh, well, how I found them was I, I looked around to see what were the coolest fan sites. And I thought theirs was the coolest fan site and emailed them just to see if they were interested. And, and of course they were. Why don't you share from, from your end? Well, I was actually on break. I work at a university and we get that whole week between Christmas and New Year's off. So I was home just, you know, piddling around a little bit on my laptop and get this email from some guy up in Canada who wondered if we'd be interested in doing a podcast. And my first question was, okay, so what's a podcast? So he kind of had to, to walk me through that a little bit. Fortunately, Liz has more experience with listening to podcasts, and, and so she was able to answer some of my questions about that too. So, you know, we, we talked about it and thought, yeah, this would be a really neat thing to add to our site. You know, we have, we have the recaps and the music and the pictures and, and all the stuff, but a podcast would be a really neat way to allow the fans to be a little more interactive. 
and um, just, you know, another format for us to, to talk about the show and promote the show. So we were all about that. So we, uh, we thought, yeah, this would be cool. And we were planning to, I believe, weren't we planning to launch our first podcast in February? Mm-hmm. Because we thought that NBC would probably hold the, the last two episodes of Chuck for sweeps. And then we found out, oh, no, they're airing both of them in a big event on January 24th. And so there was some scrambling involved, and there was our first episode. A lot of the scrambling had to do with just the technical details of how to do this. Initially, we thought that only two of us were going to be able to do it at a time. Mm -hmm. And we found some internet services that could tape conferences, and we really weren't happy with the recording quality that we got. And so we settled on Skype, which allows us to have not only three, but we could have as many people as we wanted in on the call. We plan on on doing some conferences with the cast later on. And I record myself. You'll notice I sound a little little different uh, in my studio up in Toronto. And then we record Mel and Liz from Skype, and and it's great. Yeah, Skype actually uh, seems to be quite the answer to this. It allows us three people in very different locations to get together and, and talk about our favorite show. So that's really cool. Skype also allows us to uh, plan some really fun things for the future for this podcast. So stay tuned. Don't go away. Keep coming back and checking in on us. Mel, do you have any new strike news? I do have just a couple of things. They are um, the Writers Guild and the networks are, are back in talks. Um, so kind of some preliminary, they, they call them informal talks, but they are laying the groundwork for hammering out a new deal. And so far they're in a media blackout, so there's not a lot coming out. But what is coming out is, I would say, cautiously optimistic. It looks like they feel, both sides feel like they're making a little bit of progress, but neither side is ready to say, we have a deal. It's looking like we may be near the end, but that could change, of course. You never know. Yeah, exactly. Um, In other news, NBC just announced that they are doing away with pilot season altogether, partially because of the the costs due to the writer's strike. And then also they're citing the, the slowdown in the economy. Jeff Zucker, who's the chief executive officer of NBC Universal, says that cutting pilot season will save the company about $50 million. And of course, uh, pilot season this this year is pretty much out the window because of the writer's strike because they don't have scripts to to produce pilots for to see if they want to pick up those shows for next season. So on the one hand, you know, it's kind of too bad that the deal hasn't been made in time for new shows to kind of get off the starting block. But on the other hand, that means that it's much more likely that we will be getting a second season of our favorite shows that premiered this year because the networks won't have anything new to put in those time slots, which, again, silver lining, means that it's very likely that Chuck will be back next season. Now, we do have to caution again that it all depends on how the reality shows do. If the reality shows really swell... Uh, in the next few months, they might just keep some of those on and cancel some of the uh, dramatic shows anyway. So part of supporting the writers is let's not get too much into those reality shows. Exactly. But we do have some new Chuck to talk about, and we're really excited about that. So here's the episode in brief, Chuck versus the Undercover Lover, episode 12. Chuck has a mega flash and discovers that not one, not two, but a whole pile of Russian arms dealers are secretly meeting in Los Angeles. In particular, he gets a flash about a Russian woman named Ilsa, and Agent Casey is in the flash. Not only is he in the flash, but his name is Sugar Bear. Chuck is very intrigued about this. He pesters Casey about their history, and he doesn't understand why Casey is really sensitive about it. It turns out that Casey believes that Ilsa is dead. We learn later that this isn't the case. They go to investigate the Russian arms dealers in the hotel, and Chuck actually sees Ilsa. Ilsa is set to marry one of the Russian arms dealers. Chuck insists that Casey fights for his woman. Will Casey fight for his true love? Of course he does. And it turns out that she is a spy for the French government, and... There's a really exciting showdown that involves Casey and Chuck being thrown out of a window tied to each other and landing in a pool. And, of course, the women save the day. Sarah joins forces with Elsa to take down the Russian arms dealer. And, of course, Elsa does not marry the arms dealer. She reconciles with Casey, but they do part ways and do their spy thing. A really funny subplot in the episode involves 
Captain Awesome and Ellie having a little fight in their relationship, and Morgan plays therapist through this and is there to help Ellie, but Captain Awesome and Ellie are back together and closer than ever before in the end. That was a great episode. That was a lot of fun. I love that we got to focus on Casey for a change. Absolutely. I like seeing that the softer side of Casey, a more vulnerable side of Casey that we've never seen before. And honestly, I think it's going to be a really important thing in upcoming episodes. I think so, because Ilsa is not dead, clearly. And she knows who Casey really is. And he knows who she really is now. So there's certainly room to play with that. Well, also the fact that Casey does have a heart. We see that Casey has a heart. And perhaps he may wink a few more times where Chuck is concerned. Situations where Sarah perhaps wants to help Chuck out more than Chuck, than uh, Casey ever wanted her to. And um, he may, I don't know, maybe have a little bit more of a heart where Chuck is concerned. I think you're right, Liz. That's a good point. I, I think even going back to the uh, the truth serum episode, we saw that uh, when he was under the truth serum, Chuck said, you aren't going to shoot me, are you? And, and he, he was obviously faking it. And I, I think there's a level that Casey hasn't even seen in himself. That As far as Chuck is concerned, he isn't quite the tough exterior that he lets on he is. That's true. I wonder if this is Casey's first really long-term assignment with an individual, you know, where this is the first time maybe he's actually been in a situation where someone does get past his barriers. Now, Ilsa wasn't his assignment, but he has shown that in a long assignment, he can get attached. So we'll see how that pans out. Exactly. Yeah. Then we get to episode 13, Chuck versus the Marlin. Captain Awesome shows up at the Bymore and asks Chuck if he can have Ellie's hand in marriage. But then he insists that Chuck holds on to the ring until he plans it all out. Chuck hides the ring in his Bymore locker and comes back the next day. Every single thing in the store is gone, including the ring. While he was with Captain Awesome at the Bymore the day before, he had discovered some bugs throughout the store. And it turns out that the bugs were not planted by Casey or Sarah. And so there's a real problem because if somebody knows that Chuck is the intersect, then Chuck will have to be extracted to a secure facility where he'll never be able to see his family again. It is looking like Chuck is going to be extracted, but they're able to track down the fulcrum agent in time. There's a big showdown between Sarah and the agent. Sarah wins. They're able to get the ring and get to Captain Awesome in time for him to ask Ellie to be his wife. And there's a very touching scene at the end where Chuck is congratulating Captain Awesome and Ellie. What a great way to kind of wrap up. I mean, it may, be, it may have been the, the season finale or it may have just been, you know, the break finale. But that, that's a really that's a good way to wrap it up. Yeah. You know, the first part of this uh, episode, I, I'm a big fan of slapstick comedy. Mm-hmm. So watching the, you know, Big Mike fall off his chair and Chuck <laughs> bang his head and fall off, uh, this, this episode had me in stitches as far as that goes. I, it was pretty funny. And, and the guys hiding the, the film, I, it was just probably the funniest episode that I can think of so far right now. It was just a great episode. I, the interaction between Chuck and Sarah again, and Chuck being, or Sarah being moved at the thought of not seeing Chuck anymore, I guess, or Chuck having to go away from his family, I think. I think that's what touched her the most, is him being split up from his family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zachary Levi is really good at physical comedy, uh, not just um, him falling off the chair, but also when he was going through the, the, the ceiling vents and, and jumping <laughs> down. I mean, great physical comedy. I loved that whole sequence. It showed that he's, you know, he's paying attention when he's going on all of these these missions with Sarah and, and Casey. So he's now going to try his own little version of being a spy, and it it, it works. You know, it's yeah. not as smooth, but <laughs> it worked in his own Chuck way. Exactly. As we go into a break, we want to challenge everybody to send in your emails and posts and let us know where they're going to take Chuck. Uh, what's going to happen with this? new intersect that's coming up what's going to happen with chuck and sarah let's see lots of posts on the forums and uh, let's see lots of conversations about chuck and definitely we want to reissue the challenge let's let's go back and watch the episode see if we can catch some more details and let's introduce a lot more of our friends to chuck 
So moving right along, we're going to get to listener emails. We have some comments this week. Mel, do you want to start off? Sure. This is from Tony, and he asks, I'm curious, for networking and marketing purposes, how did you land your first two interviews? Knowing the right people, persistence, just wondering, if you can call Yvonne, maybe I can too. Well, actually, since the website has been up and running for so long, ChuckTV.net um, launched back in May, we've had quite a while to form some connections. Also, Liz and I are really good researchers, so when it comes to finding the contact information for, for the people that we need, we can go to our different resources and, and get that. And then it's just a matter of swallowing your, your nerve and making the, the contact with the person's uh, representation and asking, would they be interested in doing an interview? And the worst they can say is no. That's our mantra, right, Liz? Right. Exactly. <laughs> no doesn't hurt. And, and I think that uh, Mel and Liz have really built up a lot of credibility. You may not know this, but when Chuck is airing, they have as many as 30,000 unique visitors per month to their site. And uh, NBC obviously likes that. So you promote Chuck like that, they're going to give you some freebies. Exactly. And and the cast, to be honest, it's been, we've never been met with a closed door as far as when we come and ask for an interview um, with cast or crew. Once we ask, their representation or they themselves are eager to talk with us, which is really great. It means that they appreciate what we are doing for the show, but they also really want to connect with the fans and use our website as, as kind of a, a medium for that, which is really cool. We are happy to do it. And Mel, there was another question by email. Yeah, Polly writes from Brazil. This is a question for everybody. What's your favorite episode? Yeah, that's a tough one for me. I would say for me that there's not any single episode that's my favorite, but I love certain moments. My favorite moments, I'm a sap, are the touching scenes between Chuck and Sarah. Usually um, when somebody asks me this question, my answer is whichever episode aired last. Because everyone, I think, oh, this is my favorite. And then I see another one. Oh, well, this is my favorite. So really, it's whichever episode I watched most recently. That's my favorite. Pretty much what I have to say, too. It's... Um... They're all so good, and they just—they each seem to be getting better and better. So, of course, the very last one, the most recent one, is the favorite one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, another email question. Mike asked, I have a question. Hopefully, you can ask about the piano ballad that plays whenever Chuck pushes Sarah about her past or about their relationship, i.e. Chuck Clip played at the end of the first podcast. Specifically, actually, I asked Tim Jones about that, and you'll hear a little more about that later. But uh, Tim composed those, those scenes. And uh, really, really did a great job. We do want to thank some other people who commented at chuckpodcast.com. Thanks to New York Mike and Hazel and all the people who complimented there. And there was a really interesting post from Johan. I assume he's in Sweden, but he, he knows Swedish. He mentioned from our last show that Yvonne was talking about what languages she knows and mentions that there's a bit of Swedish in episode three. And he actually translated that Swedish. Um, I'm not going to read the Swedish, but in English, <laughs> what was said was, if I throw you the keys, will you drop them then? Now, this was, of course, in the in the showdown where, again, the women saved the day. Of course. And thank you very much to Johan for translating that for us. Yep. And lastly, uh, lots of people have been giving us great compliments at NBC.com in the discussion boards for Chuck there. And Liz, I think you had a couple of people take you up on your Tell Me I'm Pretty I know I did. I, I almost wondered if I have a fan club beginning. The Liz is Pretty fan club. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Hazel. Um, love you, Hazel. Yeah, so keep them coming. And I think Mike from New York was the other one. Yeah, Mike from New York. Yeah. I gotta love New York now. And they want better pictures, so we're thinking of putting up a Liz photo gallery. Yay! <laughs> but moving right along to the highlight of our episode, the interview with Tim Jones. You're going to love it. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us, Tim. The fans just love the music of Chuck, and we owe a lot of thanks to you for that. Well, no problem, Graham. It's absolutely my pleasure, and I uh, appreciate you guys looking me up. You know, it's um, this show has been a lot of fun for me this year, and all of us are just really happy that people have started to enjoy Chuck and his world, and so, you know, thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. You know, among Mel, Liz, and myself, we've often talked about how not only does every episode sound like a feature film, but the music has character. It's almost like one of the characters of the show. I got to say kudos to you for a super job. Well, I appreciate that immensely. You know, we also have a, a really great music supervisor, Alex Patsavas, um, from The Chop Shop. Mm -hmm. And she does a great uh, job, along with Josh Schwartz, of 
picking songs for the show. So a lot of times, some of the great moments you may be speaking of would be songs, but but then there are other times where you know the score they they've given me quite a lot of latitude to bring my ideas to the table and and try to juxtapose some different things against picture, which has just been a, a real joy for me. And you know it's it's kind of a, a composer's dream job to have you know that kind of latitude and leeway to do something interesting make something more funny if you can or play it exactly opposite and make it funny and i don't know i don't know what else to say other than it's it's been a blast i would think it would be a really fun show for you to do with such a variety from action to drama to comedy well it's great because we um in fact i was talking to one of the other crew members the other day and, and we were talking about how the show has such different elements in it there's you know i think great emotion at times between chuck and and sarah and and you know, just the family vibe. And then, and then we have that sort of danger when, you know, and when Chuck's in danger, it's, it's, it's real. He really could die or he really could get shot or, you know, we try to play those things really straight ahead and we try not to wink at the audience. I mean, cause we, he is in actual peril. And then, and then there's times where, you know, it's just the, the comedy of the situation. And I talked with uh, Adam Baldwin one day on the set and mm-hmm. he mentioned that he enjoyed the uh, computer music, you know, that I wrote for the Buy More, sort of the vibe for the Buy More. Yeah. And, you know, and that's just really fun because you put that up against some of the cues like um, when we opened the episode where they where they find Bryce Larkin in the little pod, you know, and we're in, I think we were in Finland, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm I'm really going for a big movie sound there and a big action thriller sound and then juxtaposed against the little bleeps and blips of the of the buy more music. It's it's pretty disparate, you know? Yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Now, you've got a lot of experience with that. Looking through your resume on IMDb, you've done quite a few features. Um, I've done I've done a fair amount of features. I've I've done some nice work with uh, Sony Screen Gems. Mm-hmm. I have a, a great director friend of mine, J. S. Cardone. Um, I call him Joe, but uh, he really gave me my first big break in features, which was uh, the Forsaken uh, for Sony, which was a theatrical release, and that was a neat film. It it, oh, it was kind of a road picture, and you know it had some vampire elements, but it. it I don't know. I just I, I still hold that movie very close to my heart. It was it was a lot of fun to do. It was very stylized and and kind of different. I think we did something a little different there. But I've done some big action stuff. I've also done some comedy stuff. I've I've done stuff for the Disney Channel. There's a movie called Brainiacs.com, which is just kind of this cute little movie that just never seems to die. I mean, I, I keep finding it on my on my royalties. You know, it just keeps coming up. So oh yeah, it's uh it's a really cute little movie and and. You know, that was a chance to do some kind of orchestral comedic stuff, which definitely comes to play in Chuck. Yeah. And strangely enough, I did a lot of work uh, for Mercedes-Benz and IBM and some other companies. I did uh, some industrial work uh, with a company in New York. Mm -hmm. And I think that really kind of cut my teeth on putting a lot of these modern beats and things underneath orchestral backdrop. Yeah. You know, which which really plays into the texture and the and the fabric of the music for Chuck. So it's you know it's kind of been just a a combination of all the things I've done over the past twelve years. You know, that's kind of culminated in the sound of Chuck, which has has been really fun. You've honestly got a a great mix there, and I and I do notice that the orchestral backing and mixing that with the electronic music has given I think a perfect flavor for exactly what he's in because you've got these dramatic and exciting situations, and then you've got his nerdness to mix with that. <laughs> right, yeah. Chuck's sort of I mean I, I'm sure he would agree that he's a lovable geek. You know what I mean? He's like and I, and I you know I relate to Chuck very directly, and it was funny when I had the meeting to get the show. I was in the meeting with Josh Schwartz. And, and I said, you know, one of the very first computer games I ever played was Zork. You're kidding. Me too. It was the first game I ever got on the Commodore 64, you know? I mean, I sort of am Chuck, you know? <laughs> and uh, so we had a pretty good laugh over that. I can totally relate. That leads towards a couple of questions that I was going to ask. Now, just for our listeners, they may not know that Josh Schwartz, along with Chris Fedick, created the show. And Josh is the showrunner, which means he's the lead writer on the show. Right. Uh, what's it like working with Josh? Uh, I hear he can be really hands-on with the music. 
Oh, Josh is amazing. I mean, he he really has a good sense of music. He's he's listening to music all the time. And just for your listeners, you know, Josh created the OC, which was on for a number of seasons. Mm-hmm. And I think he was the youngest showrunner ever at the time. He was like 26 or something. Yeah. So he's a, he's a young guy and um, tons of energy. Really wonderful to work with. Has has a great sense of humor and is also very good at kind of guiding the emotional path of the show. I've, I've really enjoyed working with Josh in the aspect that, you know, he really knows where to pull back on a scene musically or, or you know, where to kind of lean on it a little bit. And I've really learned a lot from him about, you know, the emotional arc of a scene or even the emotional arc of an episode. Mm-hmm. And um, that's been fun. And yeah, so to answer your question, I, I would say he, he is very hands-on but not so much in a way that I in any way feel squelched. I mean, he's also really great about, you know, I try something wacky and it works. And he goes, that's funny. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we did the episode with the master remote. Oh, yeah. You know, when when, <laughs> when Harry Tang went in his master remote. And I, I said, guys, I really want to run with this Lord of the Rings thing, you know. And they're like, oh, well, okay, give it a try, you know, see what you think. And yeah, and we all ended up, you know, thinking that was pretty funny. Yeah. Well, I noticed on your credits you've done some work on Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I actually did. I, I worked on a video game, uh, Lord of the Rings, the Middle Earth. It was a pretty big game on PC, and I, I wrote, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 minutes of stuff for the game, and we orchestrated it and had it recorded up in Seattle. That was a, a fun project. I really enjoyed that. That sounds great. Yeah, it's it's definitely a universe I've I've done a little bit of work in, and so it was just fun to bring that to the table, because the music, I mean, wasn't at all comedic i mean i played it straight down the middle as if you know i were scoring lord of the rings 4 you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, and i think that's what made it so funny up against harry tang you know who i'm gonna sorely miss by the way oh yeah <laughs> and the music you did for harry was just classic we'll backtrack a little bit because you were doing a lot of work on features and you'd work in in tv a lot but uh, not a lot of series work how, how did you end up getting into the room with with josh well, you know, this is um, an interesting story. I had mentioned The Forsaken early in the interview, and the editor of that film was Norman Buckley, who has become a close friend over the years, really fantastic editor. And he was working on the pilot for Chuck with Josh Schwartz and with Mick G, who was also an executive producer. And I remember um, just giving Norm a call kind of out of the blue to say, hey, I hear you're working on something. If you need anything, you know, um, I'm here. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll call you in a few weeks when I'm done. And I said, okay. And I kind of didn't take no for an answer and, uh, emailed him again and said, look, you know, you need anything. I'm here. (laughs) It's, you know, whatever you need, it's not going to cost you a dime. I'm, I'm on the hook for this. And so he, um, I got a call, I don't know, maybe 24 hours later, maybe less. And he goes, okay, you're on the hook. He goes, I, I don't uh-huh. I don't feel good about making you work for nothing. And I said, look, I'm, you know, I'm the one uh, volunteering. And so basically I just started cutting together temp for them um, mm-hmm. from some different sources, things they were using. Um, they had some vibes that they liked, but they were really short. And so I took those, like maybe a 50-second clip of music, and I put it into a program called Live, mm-hmm. which um, allows me to really mess with the time and the, and, the, and the timing of everything. And I sort of built cues around them. Mm-hmm. And so I've basically created some custom temp music for them. And it just started to work, and Norm was enjoying cutting to it. And I just kept going. I mean, after about three weeks... Um, of stuff, you know, Norm and I had, had worked on quite a few cues. And so when it came time to choose a composer for the show, I made it onto the short list and it just clicked. I mean, it, it I can honestly say it was the best meeting I've ever had. It, it's, um, you know, for, for anyone in the creative industry who has to go in and sort of take a meeting to get a job, this was one time where I really felt relaxed and felt good about the project and what I had done. And um, it was just a good fit. And I should also mention Ben Cundy, who um, is our fantastic producer, mm-hmm. who is um, really there day to day dealing with all the the you know things that come up for the show. And 
he was also um, really helpful in, I think, in helping me get the job. Yeah. Alex Patsavas was there, and she's a friend from The Forsaken as well. So it, it kind of all goes back to this this horror movie I did six years ago. You know? Oh, yeah. And uh, so uh, that's that's that story. Now, has it been a big change of pace from your feature work? Oh, God, yes. I've been shocked at how much work it is, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I'd always heard that, that network television was was a fast pace. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I write fast. I'm, And, and I do. I, I think, you know, compared to some people, I, I write fairly quickly. But I, I was not prepared for the onslaught of music, you know, week after week. Because in those early episodes, I was writing between... I think the most I ever wrote was probably 25 minutes oh, yeah. of score, but but that's in a week, you know, that's in four days. Wow. Uh, five days max, you know, um, and I was doing that six, seven weeks at a time, and it was pretty challenging, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think the difference is, and, and this is not to pat myself on the back, but, but I think the difference is that a lot of people in television, some composers have other people working with them who... Uh, lighten the load a bit who take cues off their plate and so it it becomes a little bit more music by committee which I really didn't want for this show and it is not something I'm interested in in doing because I I just really enjoy that this the um, you know personal sense of satisfaction when something's done you know for better or for worse you did it you know and and so you can stand up and say yeah I did that love it or hate it you know (laughs) there's no one else to blame you know oh yeah now, I have to mention that the average listener loves the music, but really has no idea about the process of, of how you come up with the appropriate music for each scene, how you, mm-hmm. how you even know what kind of mood you want to create. So can you, can you tell us about, like, for, first of all, how early do you see the script? Are you involved early in the process as the cuts start coming together? And when you see the material, how do you know where you're going with it? Well, that's a great question. And it, it was a little different in the beginning of the series than it is just, you know, in the last few episodes. And so I'll start at the beginning where, yes, I did read the scripts and I was working um, kind of way ahead of the curve um, as Norman and I um, and Josh and everybody else. But, but you know, predominantly Norman and I were really kind of working on trying to get a vibe going for some different things that we would then present to Josh and he would kind of guide us along and so yeah, I was a, I was a couple episodes ahead with with script reading at that point and was starting to get themes worked out and basically what happens is that the editors will cut a show and they have to have music, you know, to cut to that, that that's how they like to work. So a lot of times they'll they'll come at it with other scores. I I think that I think the Born Identity series got a lot of play when we were temping. Um I know Thomas Newman is a um a stalwart in the in the temping <laughs> you know he's great obviously he has a very unique sound so he presents his own challenge when it comes time to replace tom newman you know um who i'm not interested in doing a wholesale copy of i think there's enough of that going on these days but mm-hmm. so basically the editor goes through and they they temp the entire show and they work with josh very closely on the style and the feelings of different scenes and they get as close as they can with the temp music. And then I'm brought in at the spotting session and we go through the entire show beginning to end. And mm-hmm. they tell me where they want the cues and, and give me a sense of the style. And sometimes I'll have ideas about, hey, what if, you know, like the Lord of the Rings thing, what if we try that there? And they'll say, okay, try it. We don't know, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. And then I start basically working on cues. And basically I work on the show from front to back and... Then I'll decide, you know, if there's different themes, like say there's some buy more themes, maybe I'll attack those first in the different parts of the show. Or usually the emotional scenes can be the most challenging to get the right tone. Yeah. One great example of that would be there's a really nice scene between Chuck and Sarah. I forget which episode it is, but they, they're, they're in a hotel room and he brings a pizza over. Oh, I love that scene. Yeah, and, and it was such a great scene. You know, the acting in that scene is superlative. The editing, everything just really came together. And so it, it, it was, you know, a big responsibility for me to, to, to put the right music there and make it happen. 
And I felt like we did in the end. I, I think we were all really happy. And it ended up just really being piano, you know, and kind of playing around their emotions and, and clearing the dialogue. And I mean, that's if, if you sort of go down on a scene level, that's what I'm doing is that I'm I'm really trying to get under the skin of a scene and figure out what is it supposed to be about and how am I helping the scene and how do I stay out of the way is, is a primary concern because you you don't want to step on what's there you only want to support it and and so that's you know even in an action scene that's you know if I'm providing drive for the scene I still want to make sure that I'm staying out of the way of stuff so that the music isn't popping over the foreground you know it still is underscore by definition and you know so th that's something I really strive for is to try and make sure that I'm I'm serving the scene and that I'm not jumping in the face of of, of what's going on well, so far what we've seen, it's a, it's a perfect balance. I know myself working in the industry, sometimes we can we can do something and we don't, because we're not sitting in a movie theater, Right. we don't see how people are reacting to it. I know um, a conversation I had with Mel, uh, one of the co-hosts of our show, uh, that that particular scene actually brought her to tears. Oh, that, that's, thank you. I know the acting was great and the writing was great, but I, I'm certain that music played a big part of that as well. <laughs> well, thank you. I we're all very proud of that and, 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 and other moments in the show, but that was a, that was a really nice moment. Um, really nice episode written by Allie Adler, uh, one of our really talented writers and, and producers. So when, when you're working, who would you say you interact with the most? Um, probably the editors. Um, I spend the most time sort of going back and forth for them. You know, I'll write a cue and I, I post it on an FTP site and they grab it and throw it into the Avid. And when we have enough to kind of um, show Josh, he'll come in and take a look at stuff and make his comments. And we'll just go through a couple of rounds of that usually until we really, you know, dial in what we're looking for. Cool. Uh, what would you say some of the highlights of your job are? Highlights of my job. Now, is this my job on Chuck or my job uh, in general? E either one. <laughs> well, I particularly enjoy Thursday afternoon because that's the time when I'm usually finished with the score and I'm able to go to the dub stage. It's the second day that we're dubbing the show and I'm able to sit and kind of see everything come together, all the dialogue, all the great sound effects. We have a couple of fantastic uh, mixers at Warner Brothers, uh, Todd Grace and Ed Carr, and they just take all the elements and blend them in a way that, that I think is really well done. And we do mix the show in 5.1. I write and compose the music in 5.1 as well and deliver that to them. And um, I don't I don't know that every show on the air is doing that. I don't hear stuff that's mixed specifically for 5.1, especially with the music. It's more normal to do the sound effects, but not necessarily the music. And so um, that's been really cool because we can do some fun effects and, and things that kind of immerse the viewer, you know, if they have a chance to listen to it and surround. Oh, that's great. And um, so I, I enjoy that. I, I really enjoy seeing the, the culmination of the efforts, you know, on a Thursday. Um, uh, I've enjoyed the the social aspect of working in television has been different because on a feature, by the time I get to a project, the cast and crew are really gone and it's just in post, you know, and you maybe meet the cast and crew at a, like a screening or something. But with Chuck, because it's an ongoing show, you know, I could drop by the set and say hi to Josh Gomez, say hi to Zach, you know, um, and it's it's been really fun. It's been nice to have contact with those guys and just tell them they're doing a great job and, you know, ask them what games they're playing on the Xbox and, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> so I've enjoyed the social aspect of it. And, um, I've enjoyed the public's response to the show, which is much more immediate than, you know, when you do a film, it maybe takes months for it to come out, you know, and a show, you know, we'll finish on a Thursday and it'd be on the air next Monday, you know? So oh yeah, that's, uh, that's a pretty interesting turnaround. Well, and you've got a huge fan response to the show. Um, I know uh, even even back as far as Comic-Con last year, got a standing ovation. And ChuckTV.net, our sister site, gets as many as 30,000 unique visitors a month. Is that right? I had no idea. That's great. Oh, yeah. Huge, huge response. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, I would just love to be able to... I know you and I were talking about this the other day, but it would be really great to kind of let people who don't know about the show kind of know what it's about because mm -hmm. it, it does have such a wide appeal. I mean, I, 
I have friends who have kids that are, you know, teenagers who love the show and, and the parents love the show. And then I talk to my wife's mother who watches it with her friends and they're in their sixties and seventies, you know? So yeah, it's, it's really cool that a show appeals to that many. I can't think of too many shows that appeal to that many, uh, age groups, you know? Oh, you're absolutely right. I, I know there's a lot of, a lot of people that might say the eight o'clock time slot would be bad for an action show, but I, th- I think it just advertises the universal appeal of the show i would hope so yeah i would hope that it 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 does allow maybe people who aren't allowed to stay up till 10 o'clock yeah <laughs> they, they might have a chance to watch it and it you know maybe people who aren't awake at 10 o'clock you know so i i don't know i mean i'm i'm not a network uh you know, expert i i I don't know these things. I, I do know that we had some pretty stiff competition. I mean, Dancing with the Stars is, is a juggernaut of TV ratings. And, you know, uh, I'm happy we're still here, you know. Um, oh, yeah. And and obviously looking forward to going back to work when the strike is over, if and when the strike is over. <laughs> so speaking of that, now that the show has wrapped for the time being, what are your plans? Probably going to fly a lot of model airplanes. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> Spend a lot of time on my uh, bicycle. Um, I rode about 30 miles this morning and, you know, would like to be uh, much more active in that because it's funny, we were all talking on the dub stage a few weeks ago about how we've all just been like trapped in front of a computer for 16 hours a day and our health is just going to the dogs, you know. So, yeah, spend time with my family. I have two little kids, um, a son and a daughter. My daughter is about to be six and my son is four. Mm-hmm. and my uh, my wife Evelyn and so we'll we'll spend some nice family time um, I'm gonna be doing some other side projects I've uh, recently signed with ICM which is a one of the bigger agencies great congratulations oh thank you yeah I have a, a wonderful agent there and uh, he's he's kept me very very busy and some great things perking so we'll uh, you know I'll have to get back to you on that but uh, <laughs> You know, with any luck at all, the strike won't go on too much longer and we'll be able to get back to the business of making Chuck. Yep, and also uh, you were going to provide some samples of your music for the podcast. Can you tell us a bit about those? Uh, what, what you were going to play for us? Sure. Um, you know, there's a, a film that I did for Sony that was uh, one in the series of the John Carpenter's vampire films. Mm-hmm. And it was the third movie in that series. And I mentioned it only because I got the opportunity to go to Prague and I wrote and orchestrated uh, this score for an 85-piece orchestra and a 30-voice choir. Wow. And sort of a, a medieval ensemble that included a, a glass harmonica and a harpsichord and a viola da gamba and some interesting instruments. Um, this movie was actually set in Asia, but I had a lot of Western instrumentation against it, which was actually a lot of fun. So there's a cue from that. cue from uh, The Death and Life of Bobby Z. Mm -hmm. Which is a movie I did recently with uh, Lawrence Fishburne and Paul Walker. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a lot of fun. In fact, I think that that movie helped me kind of hone in on the sound for Chuck. It was a kind of a rock and roll based score. I mean, I wanted it to sort of feel fun, and it, it's set down around the border, and it's just got a lot of guitars, and just just had a real fun feel to it. So I, I know for a fact that a lot of that seeped into Chuck. Oh, that's great. 
Tim, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. We uh, look forward to your music in the fall because we're convinced that Chuck is coming back for lots more great episodes. Well, uh, from your lips to God's ears, and uh, we'd be very happy to do some more music for Chuck. And I appreciate you uh, taking the time to listen to me talk about the show because it's uh, something we're all very proud of. Great. And please do give us updates on things you're up to, and we'll, we're happy to put them on the site. Sure will. Thanks, Graham. Thanks a lot, Tim. You know, I noticed more towards the beginning when he was kind of introducing himself and, and how he got involved with all of this. He really credits pretty much everyone except himself. He he seems to be a really humble person. Oh, he is. He's he's not only humble, he's he's a really generous guy. I, I, I think I mentioned last week that he actually offered that he's going to take his mobile recording setup and record our podcasts at the other end. So when, when we get an interview with one of the other cast members, he's going to take his mobile recording studio and go and record them for no money. And uh, he mentioned that this is even how he got the job on the pilot. He loves volunteering on projects that he really believes in, and I'm glad he believes in our podcast. Amen. That's such a terrific and generous offer. Um, we really appreciate that, Tim. Yeah, we really do. This interview was really um, interesting. I loved listening to Tim. I myself learned a lot about recording music for a TV show or anything from Tim. Um, you know, he has a way of explaining things that don't make that make it sound really interesting to to someone like me, who's a lay person, I guess you would call me. I like the sound of his voice. He was just a pleasure to listen to, a, a complete and total pleasure. And I hope we get the opportunity to speak with him again. Yeah, and he said he is going to give us updates on on what's coming up in his work, and and definitely a big congratulations to Tim getting signed with ICM. And uh, you know, and I have to say, you know, thanks Gray for outing me once again as the crier in this group. <laughs> uh, a couple of weeks ago, when we talked with Yvonne, I confessed that I got all teary during a scene, and now it's come to light that. There's another scene that made me cry. So, you know what, though? I'm just going to give credit to the actors and, you know, people like, like Tim who, who make the scenes so moving. I can't help it. Yeah. Exactly. Music is a big, I think it's a big part of uh, TV shows, movies. For me, the music moves me in a scene that might, might have not been so effective had, not, had it not been for the music. And I did confess that I am a sap. Those scenes get me like anybody else. At least I'm not the only one. So for this week, we don't have any spoilers. We'd love to, but of course, <laughs> there's nothing to spoil. Not yet. We can't wait for Chuck to start up so we can have more things to talk about. But definitely send us your emails. We, we love to hear from you. Please vote for us at Podcast Alley. We really, really, really would love to get up to number 50 at least in the listing and we only have a few more days to do that. By the time you uh, you hear this, we'll have one day to get up to number 50. So please vote for us at Podcast Alley and vote again next month. So we will hopefully hear from you before next time. And we'll send something your way, hopefully in another week to 10 days. And hopefully coming up, we're going to have more cast and crew interviews for you. We look forward to hearing from you. So be sure to send in your emails. Don't forget the prettiness. <laughs> okay. See ya. Thanks for listening. And something else you may not know, I'm actually from Australia. Throw another shrimp on the barbie. No one actually says that. Arr, matey, who's next to walk the plank? That would be a pirate. It's, it's probably best if we just ignore him. Always after me lucky charms now, are you there, Zach? So much closer. 